welcome to this episode 108 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I am Brett Nolan of AppBack.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I grab our cursed swords and race around dungeons and magical worlds while putting out fires 60 seconds at a time. How you doing tonight, Trevor? I'm doing good. There's nothing like fighting fires with magical swords. Oh yeah, they work so well. Yes. <laughs> And so before we get to the gaming portion of the program, there's some Apple news. It's actually pretty substantial for the company. Longtime Apple design head and influencer, and officially, finally, he was the chief design officer. Johnny Ive is leaving the company to kind of do his own thing. Supposedly, that's going to work with Apple down the road. But honestly, he's gone from Apple. There's no other ways to put it. And there's a lot of different speculations and reports and all kinds of... It really just people not knowing what's going on and getting that clickbait idea. So it's tough to find exactly what happened. But it seems like he's kind of been taking less and less of an impact and an influential role on Apple's products over the years. He's been trying to leave the company for a while, to be completely honest, and retire to a home in England. And now he's finally been able to do it that. And the real question is, what does that mean for Apple going forward? Is this like, you know, oh my God, devastating type of thing? Is it just a blip along the way? We don't know. Yeah, I feel like we've hardly even seen him for a number of years. Like he used to be there at the events and we used to see him. Now we really usually just hear him during the voiceover for like their one big video about the new phone and you hear his voice. But I don't know how much of the influence we actually are seeing or if they have other groups of people. They just don't have a big name to really kind of put out there as the face of design for Apple. And I, I mean, I, I got to imagine there's a lot of other people that have kind of stepped up in his absence. But I guess we won't know until next year or probably the year after or maybe even a few years down the line, depending on how much his influence is already in the, the products that are in development as far as if they take a massive different shift without him there. Yeah, name recognition is always interesting just to kind of make it established to consumers and kind of passive people who follow the company. Like, oh, Johnny Ive, he was there when Steve Jobs was there. They worked hand in hand to create some of the iconic products that Apple's come out with. And so taking that name out, you're like, oh, well, there's, is there anyone else who works at Apple? Well, when you have tens of thousands of employees, I'm sure there's other people. And I'm sure they've hired maybe a couple people who have some kind of design acumen or ideology that maybe possibly could help the company going forward. Right. I'm guessing that now he's gone. Now they might make this a household name, whoever it is, especially if whatever the product is that takes off. Then they'll, oh, well, this was designed by so-and-so, and here's their credentials. or And then they'll kind of raise up that name of he or she, whoever it is, that does this major work for them. I think just right now they're probably gun-shy until he's officially gone and out and not, even though he's not necessarily been a, a, a big presence of the company for the past bunch of years the name was still there and i bet they didn't want to like rock the boat uh so i guess we'll we'll see going forward yeah it seems from various kind of outside sources that his most focus over the past few years has been on apple park designing it finishing it 
and getting it completely done, and now it's out. Apple's campus is complete, and that's not something that you redo every year like a phone. So he did his major kind of project. He put his stamp on Apple, and he just really wants to retire and not focus on that daily grind, and can't blame him for that. And if he hasn't really been working that much closely on you know, the new iPad with the bezel-less design or the Touch Bar MacBook Pros or the new iPhone X and XS designs, then I don't know how big of a loss it is. Right, yeah. I don't know how... This is where the big questions come. Like, how much has he really been influencing anything in their actual product line in the past few years? And maybe that's why some people are disappointed. Other people are like, hey, this stuff is finally good. But I, I, everyone's going to have an opinion. Whether or not they know for a fact that he had any influence in it, they'll use it as a, well, he didn't obviously didn't design this. Or, oh, well, he you could definitely tell he designed this because it's beautiful. So I, people are just going to swing this thing whichever way benefits their opinions. What, and I don't know that we'll ever find out the actual truth of how much influence he's had. And then it always does come back to Tim Cook because he's not, you know, quote unquote, a product guy. You know, he's not right. that creative design guy. And so he's done an amazing job to put Apple at the heights they are in terms of the revenue. We always talk about their quarterly earnings and they're just raking money hands over fist. That's the way Tim Cook has really streamlined the production process and the supply chain to make sure that they not only design an amazing iPhone, but that they have enough to sell tens of millions of them. You know, you could create something, but we only were able to create 10 of them. You need to make something that you can mass produce. So it's a delicate balance and Tim Cook's done an amazing job. But without, you know, that iconic Steve Jobs, without Johnny Ive, people are like, oh my God, now what are you going to do? And Honestly, I think we got to give a chance to Evans Hankey, who's the vice president of industrial design, and Alan Dye, who's the vice president of human interface design, and see what they do. They're going to be kind of working head to head or <laughs> hand in hand to kind of <laughs> do the hardware and the software going forward and kind of combine it together. But they're going to be overseeing things, and we'll see what the future holds with these two guys. The one kind of questionable thing that Apple's doing is that both these guys are going to re be reporting to Jeff Williams, who's Apple's chief operating officer, and he's not necessarily a design guy. He's more kind of Tim Cook type of person. And I don't know why, just because Johnny Ives leaving, that the chief design officer title is leaving with him. Why don't they put someone in that role? That is an important role. Apple needs a design head to kind of oversee the grand product schemes of the company, not have your two design guys be working, uh, you know, uh, asking and looking for approval from their operating officer. Right, and you want someone to kind of have that design language for all of the products, to kind of have them all meld together, not have just these two guys kind of off on their own. And you need that one unifying vision to kind of lead things forward. And to throw, like, even more of a wrench into things, like, we may not even not see Johnny Ive completely gone because supposedly he's starting his own company, Love Form, and Apple is going to be one of their clients. So... I, I, allegedly. I, I don't know. Allegedly, <laughs> this is one of the things that Apple reported. So who, who knows? So you may we may not be gone in many ways. And so this may all be for naught. But uh, obviously, someone's going to have to step up and fill that void. Hopefully, like you said, they they do kind of fill that position rather than having it rely on a non-design person. Uh, you really want to have that design person kind of running the show. and 
getting everyone on the same page. At Apple, I think a design leader should be on their board of directors. You don't. You need a chief design officer. You don't just need a bunch of design guys. You need somebody from the company who has a direct connection to all the other heads of the different aspects of the company. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And so we'll see what that means going forward. Because again, Johnny Ives' overall impact cannot be questioned. He started with Steve when they did the first, you know, candy-colored shell IMAX. And they've been designing products ever since. All those different things that you've seen were part of kind of them working together. And then him kind of taking on more of what Steve Jobs was doing after he passed away and just having that more design idea. But then also, I think he was focusing on the big picture. And again, they're not replacing a big picture guy, but maybe the smaller picture day to day people, maybe more of their ideas get through the cracks now. I don't know. Maybe Tim Cook is like, we want the things that sell the best. I don't really care about design. The iPhone, you can make it thinner and thinner like you guys usually do. Whatever. Just give me something (laughs) we can sell a whole bunch of. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe this will be an op- opportunity for other ideas to come out because now you won't have one person running the show and being that gatekeeper. Maybe it will open for more innovation because now you're not having anyone kind of restricting the flow. But I I don't know. Yep. It's, a, it's a big question mark. And again, his impact could last, I think, upwards of five years. Say he's a because, you know, Apple doesn't design. Okay, we're making an iPhone that's coming out in September. We start as soon as uh, the iPhone XS came out. You know, they look ahead. They look down the road of potential features and integrating all these different aspects. So his overall kind of impact is going to be there. It's like when Steve Jobs passed away. He did passed away right before the 4S. And they said he had ideas out to the iPhone 7. So they're going to have ideas outwards still from Johnny Ives' impact. Yep, yep, I agree. We are going to miss those videos where he gets to say aluminum, which that's one <laughs> I of know, my favorites. I, they're <laughs> going to have to have someone else with a similar accent do the, do the videos from now on because it just won't be the same. Yeah. Like even people that that try to do their videos now, like Apple, hire someone with a with a similar accent to try and like get that same appeal that everyone gets from the Apple videos. Yep, that British accent with the all white background to show the clean, sophisticated design styling of Apple. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's like a Jaguar. It's never just Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> And so Johnny Ive's gone from Apple, but guess what? The App Store was not connected to Johnny Ive. They're still, you know, firing along on all cylinders. And we got four games to talk about. The first one is Minute, which is actually spelled M-I-N-I-T. And it's called this because you have this little kind of essentially almost 2-bit art style, kind of 8-bit art style mixed together. And it's all black and white. You have this little almost enigma creature and you have a minute to do as much as you can. And this is a super roguelike idea where you start off the game and you need to go find a sword. Once you find the sword, you can cut through some bushes and now you access a new area, which gives you a particular task. Kill five crabs. You kill those five crabs, you go back to 
the place that asked you for that, and now they give you coffee. With that coffee, you can push boxes out of the way, and this opens up a new pathway, which lets you get a key. That key unlocks the lighthouse, and the lighthouse, you can get a flashlight. That flashlight lets you know now go into the dungeons. And again, you only have 60 seconds to do these things, but slowly but surely, you start picking up on ways to move through the environment, interact with it, and just gain new abilities and new regions to explore. And you have to be really quick with all the things you're doing, but everything is sustained. So once you find that key, that key is always yours, even when the timer expires. So you just always build from these new points that you try to reach. Yeah, this game blew me away. I had no idea what to expect, but easily my game of the week. And this it was so interesting. I like at first you're just walking around. You don't know what you can do. You can't punch any. You can't hit anything. You can't punch anything. You're like this little duck. You can talk to other ducks and like you talk to these other creatures, but you have no real clue what you're doing. All of a sudden you pick up the sword and then you find out it's this cursed sword that will kill you in 60 seconds until you eventually unload the sword and get rid of it. And so Every time you just die and then you restart at your home. The good news is you're like you said, you're learning the map and you're getting more and more new quests to go on and new things to do. And by getting these little hints from the characters like, oh, you need to go get me this. You're like, oh, I saw that on that screen. That's over two and up one. And so now you're running through the level as quickly as you can in order to find this stuff and unlock the next mission, the next mission. Then you unlock other areas. Now, all of a sudden, you'll find out you can relocate to this other area as your new home base. So when you die, you respawn at this new location. And now you might be closer to these other things you have to do. And so you just keep on learning more and more as you go. But like you said, you get to keep all that stuff that you found and it just allows you to do more and more cool things that now you can maybe that you figure you saw this thing over on the screen. You're like, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to get into that. But now you have the ability to move boxes. So now, you know, hey, I can access that screen. I bet there's something I need in that screen or there's a sneaker store over here that it obviously that's going to make me run faster but now i got to find seven coins to even buy the pair of sneakers i'm going to need so you just constantly have these little hints of what you need to do next but you still need to explore but at the same time you can't waste a lot of time exploring because you only have 60 seconds so it's just this frantic race to move around and figure things out and you just constantly keep going back and back and learning more and i just found it absolutely amazingly fun like i didn't know anything about this game when i sat down and i i cannot put it down i i absolutely am flying through this game i'm stuck in a few spots but then there's maybe another mission to go to but it is just uh, a phenomenal game and then you always open up new possibilities no matter what you do in the game it always ties you to something new so that 60 seconds spurns on and it builds upon itself so you keep doing these new 60 seconds because you keep picking up different things to do it's super engrossing to just fully dive through everything and one of the probably best things is that you can find new houses and then those houses are the points that those 60 seconds restart at so you don't always have to be back to square one you can explore this map and get somewhere new and then have a new starting point a new jumping off point for all new missions to because you can only go so far in 60 seconds even if you sprinted straight without any kind of uh, obstacles or anything in your way so you want to keep kind of building it out and see all that this map has to offer and like you i was super surprised this i did never heard of this game it looks super simple in the item description 
And it's a, just a whole new way to play an action RPG where you're used to that, you know, old school Zelda style where it's this whole long adventure where you play as much as you want to and you kind of get into this same kind of, oh, we go to this new area and then there's some checkpoints and stuff. This is a whole different idea because there's such a frantic pace to it. Yeah, I, I mean, in, in the app description, it's literally one paragraph and then another sentence where they just list off all these names of people that worked on it and otherwise it really don't give you a lot i'm like okay it's devolver digital i mean that's a great company i i like their games i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna give it a shot and definitely look at it try this one out because it may not look like much especially if you're someone who like poo poos on black and white graphics and old retro style graphics i know some people don't like that uh but there is so much fun and game in this that if even if you those are detractors normally for you, I think you're going to have a blast with this one. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then also, if you're not into RPG style, like they're a little bit slow moving or anything, they strip that complaint out because <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's this whole action platformer game almost. Yeah, it's like a puzzle game, too, because you get these little hints of things like, oh, I need you to help me find my lost credit card. Well, how do I help this dude find his lost credit card? Do I just start slashing things? No, it's a different way. I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but you got to figure it out. There's so many little, like, puzzly things within the game, too, that make it so much so interesting. And it's, like, so different each little thing because some things are going to have to fight. Some things are going to have to solve by, like, moving things around. Other things you have to, like, go through the levels in certain ways, uh, move in certain ways through the levels in order to reach a certain point. So there's just so much going on in that 60 time. I think this didn't have the 60-second timer. It wouldn't be nearly as entertaining because you'd Agreed. have all the time in the world this that's what drives you to run around because you cannot waste time you have to know where you're going to go what you're going to try this turn and then go for it and then next turn you try something else if that didn't work or maybe it gave you a new piece of information now you got to figure out what's my new plan and it's just all in these little 60 second sprints that you can stop at any time because you know it's the next turn is only going to take me 60 seconds so Play as much as or as little as you want and pick it up whenever you can. And then also you get to just always have it's really neat to kind of go back and think of all the stuff that changes together. You can think of this whole chain that you've done. Like I started right at the beginning of describing this game, how every single little piece just goes together to create this whole kind of story narrative forward without any text on screen beyond kind of little hints and clues. There's no like actual real bogged down in cutscenes or story or anything like that, but it still presents this whole chain narrative that you're creating as you go. Yeah, there's only that one dude by the lighthouse that talks yeah. so slow. You and you're like, him. dude, I'm going to die here if you don't <laughs> finish talking. And he never quite gets out what you need him to say before you die. Uh, I think I need the fast shoes for that to get over to him quicker. But uh, yeah, no, it is... Uh, and um, this this one might be on my list for the end of the year. I, I will have to see. I really am enjoying this one. Yep. So that's a minute again. M I N I T. It's four ninety nine at Universal. And then there's Void Tyrant, which is a card based battling game that it kind of reminds you of Solitarica, but that game focuses on golf solitaire as the whole battling mechanism. This is actually a form of blackjack where you have this whole risk reward push your luck idea where instead of up to 21, it's only on a scale of 12. 
and the cards that you can get are from one to six. And so you need to try to get as close to 12 as possible because your enemy's doing the same. And any number higher that you get than them is how many attack points you have. So if you build up that meter to 11 and they build it up to nine, now you have two attack points. And so you want to keep doing that and build on this whole blackjack idea because there'll be points where you'll get to nine and they have an 11 and you're like, do I want to risk it and go for try to get a three so I can get to 12? Or do I just kind of stand pat and just take the full on blunt brunt of the idea? Don't don't be smoking blunts, but <laughs> I don't remember that card in the deck. <laughs> it's a different game. <laughs> and so you you know, you can take the full brunt of the challenge, but you're already have your shield out ready prepared for the action. So it's just that delicate balance. Then you have all kinds of special cards that you can pick up along the way. The enemies get more and more complex as you travel through a specific region. And then there's kind of these subtle forking pathways where you can choose which planet to go to as you get to this overarching storyline that you want to complete, all based on this mechanic that is super accessible, but has a nice strategy element to it. Yeah, I was surprised. The more you get into this, you do start to see some strategy. At first, it feels like basically a mix between blackjack and war, where it's all kind of luck-based, where it's just the luck of the draw of what cards you get versus what cards they get as you're trying to build up that thing to 12, and hopefully you don't bust, because if you bust and you take too many chances, then they get a ton of extra times to attack you, because each, each one of those cards is one full attack that they get to go. So whatever their attack power is, they get to attack you that much. And then if they hit that 12, they also get a bonus attack, which is a critical attack. So it's going to take off even more health. And so you got to be careful that where the strategy comes in is in the the card the deck building aspect of the game because you start out with a certain deck of cards and then you'll start to be able to unlock additional cards you get choices of cards you can pick up along the way where now they might increase like your overall health or they might increase your base attack or just be cards that allow you to throw down like a random number between one and three, which might be just what you need to put yourself up to that twelve or closer to twelve or put you just over the edge of uh, what your opponent has, or maybe they're a card that let you revive health for every time you attack your opponent. So if it looks like you're going to be able to attack, you might quickly play one of those cards from your hand uh, in order to help build up your your health again. And those cards, many of those require this separate kind of currency that that you're building up beyond just your health. You have this other like stamina or I forget what they call it. It's like an energy which mm -hmm. allow you to play those cards. And so you got to be careful that you have the, another level of risk-reward of, do I want to use that little bit of energy I have to play this card, or do I want to wait and maybe there's a better card I'll get, maybe I discard a card from this little grouping of four that I have access to, and maybe I'll get a better card that I want to spend my energy on. So there's a multiple layers of like kind of where to take risks. There is still a strong luck element to the game, but I do like how they tried to mitigate some of that luck with uh, strategic elements added to the game. Yeah, I think my main problem is just that the ramp up takes too long to really get into the game because the tutorial extends way too long. There's all this unnecessary text to kind of build out these layers of menus that I don't even care to explore. I want to just get in through the battle system. You can deal with me the cards however you like. And so that was a little disappointing and off-putting, I think, especially for some people who just want to get into the crux of the game. 
But regardless, once you do kind of give it time and give it the time it needs to really make through, there's a really good strategy experience to it. But like you said, there's probably too much luck involved, even at the really highest levels. And then I think that the enemies take too long to defeat. I think there's too many rounds you have to go through of this blackjack style for these lower level enemies. Oh, right. It does get kind of repetitive because it's the same battling mechanic every time. And then I did notice if you go... So they have two different worlds. One's like a desert and one's like kind of like a space uh, thing. I did notice in the space one, if you take... Because you're choosing which way to go as you're walking through. And sometimes if you go off a path, you'll get like bonus cards and bonus treasures. I did notice in the space one in particular... It jumps in difficulty. So you'll go from like a whole bunch of easy, super easy guys or relatively easy guys. You're going to have basically no problem beating them. You might lose a little bit of health based on the luck of what cards you get. But then you jump to like the boss battle. And this guy is like so overpowered and has so many good cards to just lay down tons of health attacks on you that it seems almost ridiculous. And uh, so you have no chance. You're going to die. And you basically, you got to keep on playing and playing till you level up enough to finally, hopefully beat this guy. And I played quite a bit more than I probably would have just to see if I could finally beat this guy. And I still haven't hit it yet because he just has, he's too overpowered for what he is. And unless you get super lucky on your, on your card dealings, you're going to die. So I think there's some kind of unevenness with the game just because of that luck element. And I think maybe that's going to get worked on or maybe that's to try to get you to buy the couple of in-app purchases. You can skip any of the in-app purchases. Uh, what you can do is watch an ad and get basically the the bonus those in-app purchases will give you. One lets you uh, kind of retry on your first death. But if you paid for the in-app purchase, you would get 50% of your health back. By watching the ad, you only get 30 uh, Then there's two other ones that kind of get you bonus cards and things. But those you can just watch an ad. So. They do do a nice job of not forcing you into buying the in-app purchases. Uh, you do kind of not get quite the full benefits, but enough of it that you can play this entire game for free. Yeah, I think my as I'm getting through the game more and more, and as we're talking about it, I feel like you're better served playing Solitarica or even Meteor Fall Journey. It's always worth oh, bringing agree, those yes. two games up. They're absolutely amazing when you have this kind of style. This one just seems kind of too simplistic in comparison to those games like by itself without any other app store games it's okay but when you think of what you could also be doing with your time hopefully you've picked these games up and if you haven't reminder meteor fall journey or solitarica oh yeah i would definitely i recommend either of those before void tyrant yeah especially meteor fall i love meteor fall i keep going back to that all the time and, and meteor so... fall just seems like it this game has a similar idea of this card battle thing, but it goes into unnecessary convoluted menus of side cards and all this extra text, which doesn't need it. Meteor Fall shows you you can have a ton of different types of cards and character classes without bogging you down with text and menu pop-ups. And Meteorfall doesn't feel as luck-based. Like, I feel like you have more strategy there of building up your deck and upgrading cards, and you have more choices within Meteorfall than this, where you're pretty much, the upgrades, you're stuck to two choices, and you get those only very rarely, and then it's all that luck of the points coming up for building up your attacks. So, yep. yeah, uh, that's Boy Tyrant. Yeah, it's free, it's universal. <laughs> 
And then there's Rescue Wings, which is a side-scrolling firefighting challenge, essentially, where you have this uh, one of those water copters or water planes. You have to dive your plane into the water to pick up water to fill your water bombs that you then fly over different fire points and drop your water bomb onto them. And so the game is all about maneuvering your plane to dive down through the water, back up over the fire, tap your drop water bomb at the precise moment to put out the fires. And so the main game is composed of this level-based challenge. And then you get to go to adventure mode, which is more of a endless challenge. But as you fly through that, you get to go to new regions that unlock the levels in the main heart of the game. So each level is a three-star scoring system based on how many fires you put out. And then as you go, you start off with just a kind of a regular landscape. And then you'll get to this point where it's a cave. So now you have to deal with the roof and the floor to not crash into it. So it's kind of that uh, side-scrolling cave flying game tied into the challenge of diving in to pick up water and then timing up, dropping it onto the flames. Yeah, so your only controls within the game are an accelerator and to, to make yourself go faster, and then you can either swerve the plane, like, vertically around clockwise and counterclockwise. And that's pretty much it. So you can't even go backwards, because he does a full loop if you start to, to turn, it seems. So I couldn't get him to go backwards. I don't know about yeah, you. Yeah, no, but... it's it's not about that. It's side scrolling. You're, yeah, you're heading one way. <laughs> yeah, so you're basically heading forward. So if, if you, you miss, miss those water, fires, and or yeah, if you miss the fires, you're out of luck. But if you miss the water and you don't have any water bonds, when you go over the fires, you're also out of luck. Yes. Yeah. And so basically, while you're underwater, he's just gonna keep on filling up as many of these bombs as he can, and you gotta angle yourself back out of the water before you hit a wall, and otherwise you're gonna blow up and die. Uh, so it's. Fairly straightforward. I, I mean, it didn't really change that much in the levels that I played. Uh, it's just the same thing kind of over and over again. They kind of just change the landscape a little bit, but it's pretty much the same thing over and over again. You can eventually unlock additional planes. Uh, the one thing is uh, you have limited fuel. So there's this life meter in the game, which is considered these like fuel cans. Our favorite and thing, energy meters. I know and you burn through those energy, the energy, like three at a time. And you, you go through the thing pretty quickly as you're playing through this thing. And fortunately, there's an in-app purchase for that. So if you don't want to wait. Oh, yeah. That, that was very sarcastic if you didn't get it over, <laughs> over podcast radio. Um, so for a one-time purchase of $4.99, you get unlimited fuel. Or they have this awesome $7.49 per week in-app subscription auto renews that gives you the unlimited fuel and a bunch of their other random upgrades like double coins and uh, free retries and other things. Who needs to spend $7.49 a week on this game? I don't understand. And it just annoys me when I see in-app purchases like this, which are basically there to take advantage of kids or parents that don't have devices of kids locked down. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous, and this is the kind of crap that Apple needs to stop. Yeah, it's really, I mean, this game is one of those free, endless games, essentially, that they've added a level mechanic to. It's not super complex, it's not something that has longevity on your device, but somehow they expect you to really first introduce that energy meter, which 
it's a gas tank of 25 you know units and every time you play a level it's three units if you play that adventure mode it's five units so that's discouraging from the get-go it seemed like developers were going away from that and then to then have the subscription model for 99 cents a month maybe 749 a week what <laughs> what <laughs> i know it's ridiculous crazy oh my gosh yes. but yeah this game like you said the landscapes change a little bit there's points where the water kind of has a small opening there's uh dirt on top of it that you have to avoid so you have to go through again a cavern like i said there's a cave sequence which is again you have to deal with the roof and the floor to dodge it but it seems like the flying mechanics the speed of the game never really gets you into that sense that you're going to crash so it's really overly simplistic super easy to kind of maneuver through it's a neat mechanic but it gets tired relatively fast because the levels blend together yeah, it feels like a kid's game. Like, it feels like it's meant to be a kid's game, which makes that that in-app purchase even more insulting. This doesn't feel like it's meant for, like, adults to play. It Even, like, the cartoony dog and the... I don't know. It or, I just got this whole sense that, like, this game is marketed for kids. And then to throw that in there, it was... I, I was very unhappy. Yep. So that's Rescue Winged. It's free, it's universal, and there's more in it than free. <laughs> and then there's Lego Tower, which comes from Nimblebit, the makers of Tiny Tower and Tiny Death Star and all kinds of different versions of Tiny Tower that have been themed up. And now they've made a Lego version, which is essentially Tiny Tower, but with little Lego minifigures uh, filling your town or your tower in the apartment buildings, which then go work on the business floors. And it's that same cycle. If you've ever played any version of Tiny Tower, this is 100% identical with a different skin. And honestly, there's nothing more to add. It's not a bad mechanic, but Tiny Tower came out so long ago, and it's been in so many forms that both of us are burnt out by this point. Yeah, I played so much of the first one when it came. I loved the Star Wars one when it was around. Yeah. But at this point, I I just can't stand this type of game. I'm so done with these games. Like, I feel like I've wasted so much time. As much as I love Legos and minifigures, I just don't have the time to play this kind of thing anymore. Really, it's it's kind of annoying that they went back to the well because we know what Nimblebit's capable of in terms of different styles of games and to just kind of... I mean, I'm going to say it. They just sold out to LEGO to create this game. It's just a sellout, and it's boring. And I see as their studio, that makes a ton of sense. That's how you get Mad Bank and keep that not doing any much work, honestly, beyond LEGO sending you all these new art assets and infusing it into the game. But in terms of a fan standpoint... And in terms of a consumer or game player standpoint, Tiny Tower Vegas, I was already burnt out by. And now doing a Lego version, come on, let, let's let go back, nimble bit, go back to doing what you did awesomely. Because you've made kind of that point where I think maybe you have enough money to try a new idea that maybe fails. I don't know. I, I, I know well, you want all your ideas to be awesome, but maybe try something that isn't tried and true. Well, they did try that. That was that words Royale, which didn't do well. I, I forgot Tiny Tower Vegas even existed. I See, the only thing I can think of is Tiny Tower came out so long ago that you have a whole fresh batch of younger people with iOS devices that may have even heard of Tiny Tower and never even played it before. 
And so I can see where now you might have this brand new audience of players that have never played this type of game. Millennials probably love this kind of thing. And uh, they would sit there and play this for hours and ki young kids now would do this. So I can see there'd be a whole new audience for it that may have never even heard of or played Tiny Tower before. And so I can see where they're coming from. It just, as someone who's played the other games before, I have no interest in playing more of this. Like, I've already played this game. I just don't need a new reskinned version of it. And then there and was all so the knockoffs and clones of it, too. Some of them were kind of good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so i mean i can see obviously they're getting a, a load of money for this but i don't hold them against holding against them for doing it just because it has been so long since the original one if this like even like i thought the the whole star wars one i liked it because of the theme but even then i thought that was kind of like uh let's go in back to the well and we're just getting a a, a paid sponsor to do this uh but this one, I feel like there's been enough time. Tiny that, Tower Vegas uh, wasn't that long ago. But that I forgot <laughs> even exists. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> if you're going back to the original release, it's been a while. But if you release two or three games in the interim of the same exact style, I don't know. You can't say that is the starting point of, that people forgot of. So Vegas came out in 2014. Okay. That was still five years ago. June, yeah. July 2014. So that was still a while ago. I guess it was updated, less updated in October 2018. Uh, but I yeah, just prefer so, them doing original stuff. Because oh, if I they're spending they, yeah, time making this game, new. they're not spending time making not this game. Right. I wish they would try something new uh, because it's been a while since we've had like a new IP from them. Uh, but I don't know. Obviously, if this costs them less money and they can do it, uh, then they're going to go ahead and do this. Yeah, but... I, I installed it just to give it a chance, and I think actually my biggest takeaway is not that it's another Tiny Tower game, it's just that it lacks the personality of the original or Tiny Death Star. So the original has this whole 8-bit design aesthetic, and they have a ton of personality so that you're going to care about the floors that you make. Like you put the little mini golf course in, or you have particular characters to work at these different places. It's really neat to see it all come together. This Lego game, it doesn't really seem to take advantage of Lego IP as much as I would hope because really Lego is defining themselves with not only the licenses, but just the creativity of the Lego movie and kind of infusing all these different things together. And then you open this game and it's like that generic construction worker uh, tower that you're building like that no one buys. You know, you could get the Lego Batman set or you can get this generic construction worker set with Emmett in it or whatever. And you're like... Well, I, I'd rather go with the cool, like, oh, look, let me build the Star Wars Millennium Falcon. I don't want to just build this skyscraper. And it seems like each floor is so generically bland and boring. And the little minifigures, same thing. I don't know why they couldn't do more personality with it. It seems like that upcoming Gameloft Lego game at least infused kind of Lego history into the game. So you get this 1993 snow walker guy or you get this 1989 clown and it has this whole connection to legos this one it's like here's some various yellow face guys with different hairs and different stuff it's like oh cool well i just feel also just on the phone i like i have the 10 the iphone 10 i just felt like everything was so small on the screen that you really can't even see that much detail in these little 
minifigures. You almost lose all that once they're out on the screen. Like, you see them for a second when you're hiring them, but then once they're in the actual level, like, you really can't see all that much of it. Like, it feels like it's so tiny on the screen. Yeah, I definitely see that. So, Lego Tower, if you've never heard of Tiny Tower, you have no idea what we've talked about for the past few minutes, (laughs) try out Lego Tower. If you're a gigantic Lego fan, I still think you might be a little disappointed because it really doesn't do much or as much as they could with what Lego IP stands for. Yeah, I agree. And it's free. It's universal. And so one other one I want to mention is Forgotten Anne, uh, which just came out this week, and it's this almost a mix of a point-and-click adventure style game but then also like a platforming game and it's all done in this really rich animated almost like you're playing within an anime film and so it all takes place in like this imaginary world where all these forgotten items have come to life like old toys letters socks and this one woman who's uh going around she has like this almost secret like light power that she kind of controls uh it's this light that flows around she can suck it up and then shoot it back out and she is trying to figure out what happened all of a sudden like some rebels kind of destroyed the the flow of this elect this light through the world and she's got to figure out how to get it back so that they can build this bridge to allow these forgotten things to go back to their lives and back to where they're from and you, you, so the way it works is you kind of move around this this woman and she has uh, the ability to jump and move. And then she has these wings that let her kind of fly around that you can enable. And you go into this light mode uh, off and on to to control this light and send this light power to activate other areas of the levels and kind of uh, reactivate the light and activate switches. And so... Uh, you're kind of progressing through the story. There's uh, points where you'll have choices to make. And it's almost kind of like the the telltale setup where you have these two choices. You can tell one is kind of making you evil, one kind of making you nice because you're this enforcer that kind of these forgotten toys that are uh, working working for you they're basically working off their indenture kind of almost like a servant to be able to go and cross this bridge so they got to help and do work in order to be able to go back and so you're kind of enforcing them making sure that they're doing their work and they report to you so you can either be nice to them or mean to them as you're going through and those choices will have effects on on the storyline as well so uh for the download, you get this very limited amount. You kind of basically are just learning the controls, and then it gets you to a point where it says, uh, now if you want to unlock the full game, it's going to be $10. You basically get through uh, just almost like a tutorial, and that's when it, it hits you uh, with the, the paid content. But you're really getting the entire game. It's just kind of to give you a taste. Uh, I've been watching this one kind of on the Nintendo Switch for a while now. I'd always hoped it would come out on mobile uh, just because it looked really good. I mean, the graphics are amazing. The voiceover work is phenomenally good. It's like a movie, basically. And uh, so all the controls on on this one, uh, obviously on the Switch, it's physical controls with the controllers. Uh, This one, it's all like a virtual stick that if you 
drag it, you'll start to move. If you drag it all the way over, then you'll run in that direction. And then you tap on that's on the left side of the screen. On the right side of the screen, you just tap anywhere and you'll jump. And then there's a button to switch into the light mode and a button to activate your your wings so they're on. So that way, when you jump, you kind of do a flying jump. Uh, but otherwise, those are the only controls. They did feel a little uh, kind of not quite perfect to me. Like, I felt like I was fighting the controls, especially when I wanted to kind of finesse my way to an edge of a platform or when I wanted to switch from running to jumping. It didn't always do what I wanted it to do. And I think physical controls will be really nice. I don't know if they're going to add uh, joystick support, especially with iOS 13. Uh, it should be hopefully good to be able to add uh, like an Xbox controller support. Uh, so I have a tough time recommending it just because of the controls on iOS. I think it's one to watch if you have another platform to play. I'm definitely going to look for a sale on the Switch because I, I really want to play through this just because the graphics and the story were so interesting. Uh, but for right now, I'm kind of hesitant about doing that in-app purchase just because the controls were kind of just so-so with those virtual on-screen controls. Yeah, you said a little. I think the controls get in the way. I think the whole kind of process of developing this game for iOS is discouraging as like pure fan, I'm going to dive in and try this game. I think they messed up. You need to leave the game interesting if you want somebody to get the in-app purchase because right now they greet you with controls that don't work that well and then you only get to play the tutorial it doesn't really get much into the story or intrigue or really having maybe a cliffhanger or some type of thing a launching off point like okay boom i'm gonna spend ten dollars they didn't entice me to spend ten dollars in those few very limited minutes they give of the game that you're struggling with the controls See, I thought they I felt they set up the story pretty well to leave you to so you know where the story is going to go. But yeah, the controls are immediate detractor. Like, really, if you're going to have this is going to be the way you're going to get people in, you have to have those controls working perfectly and have them kind of be iffy. I can't even imagine doing it on a phone. I did it on an iPad. Uh, you really have to have those locked down or have physical controller support so that people can get around that if they're so inclined to actually just use a physical control some people don't want it they want if it's not working on on the screen i don't want to deal with it i am not going to use a physical controller uh i think this one would benefit tremendously from a physical controller uh but if they could tighten up those on-screen controls i think it would be a lot more appealing yep so that's forgotten and it's free it's universal and i think that's everything for episode 108 yep that's all i got to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time Talk to you later.